This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's a chartered financial analyst and holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Are you looking to buy a house in 2023? Well, we can't predict the future, but we can learn about the possibilities. So our guest today is Senior Mortgage Loan Specialist Adam Black from First Commercial Bank. We'll talk about interest rates, applying for a mortgage, and the housing market. And Ryder's here, ready for your personal finance questions. Contact us by email. The address, it's money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Ryder. Before we dive into financial news for the week, I think uh, last week on the air we were talking about the lottery, and I had pledged that if I won, that I would share the wealth with everybody. Well, fortunately or unfortunately, I guess however you want to look at it, I didn't win, but I think did one person, I think. Is that right? Did I hear Uh, right? Yes. uh, It does look like there was one winner from Maine uh, of the jackpot, so good for them. Maybe they did it by buying all the tickets. You know, I I don't know. But there are – they do have a couple other smaller ones, little consolation prizes, uh, and and a bunch of people can win those. So – and I saw that in Maine is one of the states where the winner does not have to come forward, which I, I've good for them. Yeah, <laughs> probably yes. the best advice there. You'd have all kind of relatives and friends, and oh, we went to high school together. Remember, <laughs> we, we we should get them on the radio. That's right. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. So if you are listening and you did win the Mega Millions this past weekend, give us a call. You can totally keep your name anonymous. That's right. Uh, so what's uh, in the news financially speaking? Yeah, so one of the things people have been looking at, uh, we've talked about a lot, is inflation. But I feel like, especially on social media, people have been talking about eggs recently. And so I did have to check the latest report, which came out uh, just under a week ago. And eggs are about 60% higher than they were a year ago. There's a lot of any individual item on the inflation report is going to have all of its unique aspects driving it. So avian flu and having to uh, cull a lot of the egg producing uh, chickens out there did help add to the problem. Of course, food inflation overall has been just a little bit higher than the rest of inflation. Uh, But there are, as I've pointed out a couple of times, just one of the interesting things about food inflation is that some of the more expensive food, uh, particularly beef and pork, uh, have started, have have actually come down a little. Pork is basically flat over the past year. Uh, Beef is down a little bit. Chicken is more expensive, partly because that avian flu, partly because as one of the ways we can save money is shifting from buying a nice steak to just buying some some chicken. Uh, 
that's a way to get the same protein or similar protein uh, for a lower cost generally. So that's what's led that growth. Uh, speaking of housing, because I know we're going to be talking about that a lot today, that's been pretty much in line with the rest of inflation. Inflation was around 6 6.5% year on year. It's actually down slightly month over month. But of course, that's just a total uh, mixed bag of things underneath. And one of the things we're looking forward to, and maybe Adam might have some insight there, is there's a lot of talk about the rental market getting a little bit cheaper. And and, and several reasons there. Uh, one of them was that during the pandemic, people were living in, you know, by themselves a, a, a little bit more. You know, at first there's the dynamic of people moving home, you know, taking care of parents and stuff. But uh, for the most part, people have not been uh, gathering in, in, in large rentals. So more rental demand from just more folks renting. Uh, but vacancy rates are rising a little bit. And of course, that dynamic is not there anymore. We're in a we're in a brave new post-COVID world uh, as far as the rental market goes. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out this year. So as someone who enjoys baking cookies, the uh, price of eggs there does concern me just a little bit. Uh, yeah, do, we, do we have any figures on butter? Oh, do we We actually do have <laughs> figures on butter. Let me, see, let me see how fast I can pull this up. So butter and margarine, wow, increased – so butter alone increased only 31%. So if you're sticking with the real deal, a 31.4% increase over the past year. That is uh, – it does have a 2.3% increase over the month. Uh, margarine is a little more expensive, but I hope uh, if you're, you're doing the real deal, you're giving us real real butter. Oh, yeah. O- there only, we go. Only real butter. <laughs> there so, we yeah. go. All right. <laughs> So if you have a question uh, this morning about mortgages, uh, you can ask them. Our guest today is Adam Black from First Commercial Bank. Adam, thanks for joining us again. Always like to have you in the studio with us. Thank you so much. Always a great time to be here. Uh, So if you have a personal finance question or a question for Adam, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So, uh, Adam, interest rates are at a level that some uh, wannabe homeowners uh, haven't seen before uh, as we try to rein in inflation. Interest rates have increased. Uh, What's the path of interest rates uh, in the 21st century or maybe uh, looking ahead in the coming year? Great question. Um, I follow it really closely, same way Ryder follows his market. Um, We believe that rates are going to begin to come back down. We saw in October of last year the high water mark. We were up in that high seven range with most loan products. And inflation numbers began to level off and get better, and rates followed those. I always tell people, if you want to know what rates are doing, follow inflation. So we believe this year, um, most analysts are saying we could get back into the mid-five range by mid to Q3, and maybe even see some fours by the end of the year. Now, of course, we all know that that's a long time from now. A lot uh-huh. could happen. But and if you need a house now, then that's, that's no comfort. It's not helping it. You know, uh, the only thing, you know, right now we're telling people is that this is temporary. You know, if you do need a home, it's, it's okay. We, we kind of call it a date to rate and marry the house. You know, it, we're going to refinance you within the next mm, 12 to 24 months probably. Um, how quickly do rates on loans mirror interest rates that are either raised or lowered by maybe by the Fed? Great question. Um, They are actually totally opposite. In fact, a lot of times when the Fed is raising their rates, we move conversely to that. Uh, That Fed rate is a temporary lending rate. That's going to impact your credit cards, your car loans, uh, any type of consumer lending. 
Um, looks like we have a caller on the line, so we will say good morning to Kalita, who's called in from Jackson. Good morning. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Hi, I had a question about buying a second home. Okay. Um, my, my neighbor has a house for sale, three bedroom. I have a small house, and my children keep coming home, so I figured if I get that house, they can stay over there and not clamp up my house. But I really <laughs> want to put it in their name, <laughs> if possible. So what would you suggest? Um, so second home, most of the time, Kalita, is um, there's some geographic restrictions there. In other words, it has to be over 60 miles from your – these are some of the guidelines. It has to be over 60 miles from your primary or in a different market, uh, or there have to be some uh, some uh, contributing situations there that, that lead you to need a second home. Is is that to get a specific type of mortgage, or yes. what is that restriction for? Because we can just buy houses if we want to. Well, but you'd have to buy it as an investment property. Okay. Yeah. What's yeah. the difference between and those mortgages? Great there? question. So, that, And that's what I was going to lead to. However, if you are buying it for a child um, and you're going to put them on the mortgage, as long as one of the bars on the mortgage is, is occupying the property, you can, use, you can buy it as a primary mm-hmm. property and get the primary mm-hmm. interest rates. Okay. Yep. Well, yeah, then one of the children will be staying at the house. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you could definitely do that. That's very nice, buying a house next door for your kids to stay at so that they don't have to mess up your house. That's very yeah, – Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's – you know, I tell people a lot of times, too, when kids go to college is to think about that is instead of paying for rent, mm-hmm. you know, buy a home as long as they're occupying it. Yeah. You know, you can climb it – they can claim it as a primary residence. And Kalita, that's a very interesting idea there. I don't, I don't know that we've ever gotten a call uh, quite like that. But th- that idea has a lot of other financial implications as well. If you are going to have it as your children owning that home, you know, one fair question is, do they want to own the home? Who is going to maintain the home, et cetera? Uh, if it's just something that they are all jazzed about and they want to do that, then absolutely. Uh, another caution we will often throw out with you know talking about multiple people owning a home or multiple people you know, being involved in owning a home is understanding what ownership of a home means mm-hmm. uh, you know buying a home with a sibling I've, I've, I've talked to so many people about this you know, say say you're putting two children on there I've talked to with a lot of people about this oh hey me and my brother we rent an apartment together he he's going to buy a home but can't afford it so we're both going to buy it together does that situation really line up D- does your family situation really line up with with the legal obligation of owning a home do you want to be legally on the hook if 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 your brother, who is the primary owner, who's who really y'all consider the primary owner, stops paying. You are still on the hook if you are on the mortgage. So think about those legal structures. Um, but of course, if it's going to be, oh, hey, the, the oldest child is responsible and will live there the most, and they are gung-ho about this, and they want to buy that, that's a great situation. But just be careful about those structures. I agree 100%. All right, uh, Kalita, we appreciate – go ahead. Does it matter which – I mean – Legal, I mean, financially, should he have the child with the most income and the better credit score be the primary? It'll probably be uh, – sorry, yeah. Adam can talk more to that. It'll be easy for them to get a mortgage, but my, any of them may qualify. Yeah, I mean, I would look at every situation, to be honest with you, but in most cases, you're going to want the person with the highest credit score because that's going to qualify you for the best interest rates, lowest down payment, et cetera, et cetera. 
Okay, and you said the interest rates are going down. So when do you think they're going to go down? Like, <laughs> <laughs> What's the day, Adam? Yeah. Give me the day. I wish day. I had a crystal ball, Kalita. <laughs> um, I mean, we're seeing them. You know, we're every every day, every week, we've seen a general trend downward. Now we're going to have those days where they're going to get worse and and then get better again. Uh, today is a great example. The market's kind of starting off a little rough, um, but yeah, the 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 trend toward the rest of the year we believe is down. All right, uh, Kalita, we appreciate your call kicking us off this morning. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand to all the local MPB Think Radio programs. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Our guest, Adam Black, a mortgage specialist, has taught us a thing or two over the years. He joined us to talk about various aspects of home buying four times in the last four years. We'll have links to those podcasts in the information for this podcast. And uh, Adam, you and Ryder were talking during the break. You also uh, do some social media videos. If you would tell us about that. Yeah, I got really big this year on trying to put out a lot of uh, content on social media. Um, been I want to say successful, but I, I've just really grinded it It sounds out. like you've been consistent yeah, with it. I've been very um, impressed. Yeah, I've put it out on every social media uh, channel there is. Um, everything is Adam Black Mortgage. It's the easiest way to find me. Try to put out one a day. Some of it pertains to first-time home buyers. Some of it pertains to investment properties. Just trying to cover the gamut of mortgage and give people some information they can use. So um, when interest rates were high, a person uh, thinking about buying a home could pay points. If you could remind us what points are, and is that still something to consider? Yeah, it's still something to consider. We want to look at it in every situation. But but when we're talking about paying discount points, basically what we're talking about doing is buying the rate down. You're paying a fee up front in your closing cost to get a lower rate than what the market rate is that day. Um, I always tell people there's there's a lot of things to consider is, is, one, how long it's going to take you to recoup that initial investment. And do you think you'll be in the house that long? Or have refied before that time comes because you don't want to lose that. Mm. It is an upfront. It is an it is a sunken cost. Um, one thing with discount points that's gotten really big this year, strategy wise, is a seller buy down where the seller is actually paying for those points for you, and it is a um, temporary rate buy down where it's reduced for the first year two points, the second year one point, and then the third year it goes back to that original interest rate. That's mm. been a really good strategy that we've used a lot this year. So it sounds like you're saying we expect rates might decline a bit in the next few years. Maybe people are going to be a little less attracted to points in that case. That's exactly right. Um, and, and I always, and, and most mortgage guys do, um, I always present them with points, mm-hmm. no points, and help them understand how long it's going to take them to recoup that money, You know what the difference is over a five-year period, because that's about the average with most people, how long they're going to stay in a house or before they move to a different mortgage. Mm-hmm. So we want to look at that and, and just make sure that the overall cost is the lowest choice. And so what is the cost of a point? Give us a little math behind yeah. it. Cost of a point, what it gets you, and, um, and and how people need to think about that with all the other closing costs they have going on. Right. So, uh, so a point, when we say a point, that is 1% of your loan amount. Okay. How much that can buy your rate down varies every day by program. Um, so it, it all depends on what the market's doing that day. So let's just say... Today we're at six and a half percent on a thirty-year conventional. One point might buy it down to six and a quarter, or it might buy it down to six. So another reason you want to really dig into it and see how much you're actually saving on that. So, uh, yeah, one percent 
a, a point is 1% of your loan amount. And you can do any any combination of that. You can do half a point. You can do a point and a half. You know, it, there's no – well, you do get into a point where it becomes a high-cost mortgage. But, but yeah, there, you know, I've had people buy, you know, just a quarter of a point down. It just It just depends. And is that a permanent lowering of the interest rate? If you do the permanent rate buy down, it is. Yeah, you've got two situations there. You've got a permanent rate buy down and you have a temporary rate buy down. Yep. And again, I think you would look at things like how long the, the potential homeowners would look at things like how long do we think we're going to be in this house? Uh, if you aren't, maybe the, then the temporary one would seem to be a better way to go. But if you think this is the house and we're going to be here for the long term, then the permanent buy-down might be the better option. Yeah, and without getting into, getting into the weeds too much, the permanent buy-down is, like I said, that's a sunken cost. You're never getting that back. The temporary buy-down, the great thing about it is it is set into an escrow account, and it subsidizes your payment every month. So if we refinance you within, the, within that two-year mm. period, anything left in that escrow goes to reduce the principal of your property. Mm. That's what I love about it. It, it, it It's a no-lose, plus it's funded by the seller. So it's a no-lose for the buyer. So that just turns into basically the seller's offering a little bit more money yeah. in, in just a different way. In a different way. Instead of reducing the price of the home, they're, they're offering a seller concession to cover it. This is Money Talks. We're talking today about home buying with our guest, Adam Black from First Commercial Bank. Ryder is ready to answer personal finance questions. You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Got some calls coming in, so we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, so no matter what an interest rate is to get a mortgage, you have to qualify for one. What are some of the things homeowners could do now to get themselves in a better situation to purchase a home if and when rates go down or there's a home on the market that they're interested in? Reduce debt. That's mm-hmm. the one I always go to. Um, not only is it going to improve your credit scores, but it's going to increase your buying power. That is, that's the number one thing with me. We've got a caller on the line. Let's go to Oxford and invite Cynthia onto the program. Good morning, Cynthia. It's your turn, so go ahead. Thanks. Could you talk about how a mortgage recast works? If someone has a, a current mortgage with a good rate, but they want to pay it down and reduce their monthly payments? Oh, Cynthia, great question. We've seen that a lot mm-hmm. in the last few years with the market being so hot and people having to buy a home before they sold the other and then having a lot of cash so the way a recast works is in every servicer is different but here's the here's the norm is if you make a principal reduction of x amount within 12 to 24 months they will adjust your payment to what it should be with that new principal amount if that makes sense so it has to be within 12 to 24 months? Well, you always want to check with your servicer, but that's that's most of them. So, you know, uh-huh. some like if it's a bank-held product, normally they'll do it anytime. They'll normally allow mm. you to do it. Like our bank will allow you to do it at any point, and you can do it um, once every 12 months. But that's only on a bank product. If it's a secondary mortgage that we've sold to an investor, you have to go off of their guidelines. And most of them are 12 to 24-month period that you're allowed to do it and a certain amount of money, like mm. one that's coming to mind is 12, 12 months and $20,000 reduction. So that's something where, like you said, you've purchased a new, you've purchased a new home, haven't sold your own old one, and, and you made this transaction thinking, oh, I'm going to have a ton of equity. I'm going to have a ton of equity when I sell my home, so I won't have a huge payment. But you had to get a mortgage with a pretty big payment, mm-hmm. and you just want to get that down to a level that's comfortable for you. And so you can recast it if that transaction goes through quick enough. That's exactly right. And we did a lot of those. Cynthia, that was a great question, by the way. 
Thank you. All right, uh, Cynthia, thanks for your call. That's similar, I guess, to paying down – you're paying down the principal again, and so that's right. what allows your, uh, your monthly payment to go down. And that's instead of just saying, okay, say I got $50,000 of equity out of selling my old house, instead of saying, oh, I'm going to pay off half of my new mortgage, which you would have the same payment, you would just have fewer payments to make, fewer years to pay it generally. But that just actually – it maybe cuts your payment not necessarily in half, but cuts it significantly. Significantly, depending on how much you put down. Yeah, absolutely. Back to the phone lines we go. Off to Summit this time, and TC has called in. Good morning, TC. Go ahead. Good morning. How are you all doing this morning? Good. What do you have for us? Oh uh, yes, yes. I, I, I'm not calling for advice for uh, advice, but I'm just trying to get a uh, better knowledgeable uh, answer for just the like where I stand. So basically, like 20 years, me and my wife been married 26 years, and like uh, 20 years ago, uh, like her her mom passed, and we we left Mississippi and moved to Georgia. But we like country people, so that, that's just too much city life. So we moved back to uh, Mississippi. <laughs> I, that's why I hate a five-speed when I move to Atlanta. <laughs> you can't even get out of third gear before you get to the next life. <laughs> But uh, my thing is, uh, we moved back into my my wife's mom's house, which is deceased, um, because the uh, stepdad and her uh, half sister and her are the only three on the deed. But no one mm. wanted the house, so the house was falling in. So mm. we moved in, and I start. I, I, I'm good with carpentry, so you know we started making babies, and our kids <laughs> now is tw- are 22. So. I've put, I've sank a lot of money in into that house, but um, like the land taxes are so high. I pay about almost about eighteen hundred dollars a year when when it's time for land taxes to be paid, simply because the stepdad did not want me on the deed. So I'm just trying to see, like, out of all these years and all that money that I've put in, like, if uh, what. See, like I've paid it so long, and like the tax assessor people know me so well, they put they they have they have they have put me like now in my wife's mother name, but in care of my Uh, name and my wife's name. So they know they know you're the contact person, but you're still not the legal owner. Is that so? Like I don't so I don't have any rights, even though I've been there. Yeah, so that's a uh, that's a really tough situation, and let me just say, this isn't exactly the thing that you're asking about. We'll address that in just a second, but when you are not the owner of a house and you're putting money into it, you're you're just putting money into somebody else's house. I mean, it would be the same if I saw my neighbor needed to add a bedroom to their house and I, and I got it done for them and it's still their house. It's not my bedroom. It's still their house. So that's an issue. Now, I, I think you said your wife does own part of it. So, I mean, that's, that's good. Y'all have got part of it, but again, you've been investing in someone else's property and that's an issue with estates that we see all the time. Just some of them drag on forever. People just don't clear them up. Uh, the best thing to do would, if, and it sounds like you're having trouble doing this is uh, but for other folks in this situation, 
buy that property from the other person. Make some arrangement to buy that. Even if you're not buying it outright from them, even if it's uh, getting your name on the deed and getting a mortgage to them or regular payments to them, some sort of agreement, absolutely uh, do that so that you are investing in your own property. Um, As far as why the taxes are so high, so it sounds like the issue is that because someone owns it who is not living in it, there's no homestead exemption. And homestead exemption is when you own a property and you live in that property, you get a basically a discount on your property taxes. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's a couple hundred, typically a couple hundred dollars in Mississippi. Uh, but that's a nice little benefit. It just makes the, the whole thing a little more affordable. It's a lot easier to write that check. Um, and, and, and so it sounds like because the, the person who owns the house is not the person living in the house. They don't have that homestead exemption. Um, that's, that's tough. Uh, if your, your wife is on the deed, you sh- I would think you can apply for homestead exemption under that and possibly even so. go back and, 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 and correct that from years past. Uh, but the big issue for you, uh, from not only that tax standpoint, but also where you are putting your money and living your life is somebody else owns that home. And if, uh, and if, if that's just going to be the case, and they're not going to let you buy it, you might need to just move out. Right, right. Because, see, like, the, th- the thing is, and I'm going to let y'all go, is, mm-hmm. like, um, like just like a light bill. If you're two months behind, your next light bill come up, come in, and you ain't yeah. paid it, you could, your life could cut off. So that's why, that's the reason why my land taxes are so high, because I'm paying, we, we, I'm two years, been two years behind because I've never wanted to get it caught up for that particular reason. Huh. So I'm paying the interest on the the last two years. So like, if something was oh. to happen to me like tomorrow, that as well, and yeah. I, I and I didn't pay the taxes like in August, they would lose the home. My, so like, my wife right. lose the home for the people that's been buying the land tax, and they said because I was told that I'm not being married, I'm not allowed to buy. I used to go to land sales. But it's uh-huh. something with me being married to her that uh-huh. I would have to have somebody else to go for three years right. and buy the land taxes that I'm not allowed to do that. So that's right. I, I was confused on that, too. And that's a tricky thing because you have to trust somebody in order to do that, you know, you know, to do something like that. Yeah, they have a change that's of heart. not <laughs> – well, I mean, the, the, the trickier thing, again, is that somebody else owns a home and it's, it sounds like it's not letting it go to the person who is actually living there and the person who is actually investing in it and the person who is actually bringing value back to this 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 family property and and uh, you know you're that that's the tough situation to crack first all right, uh, TC, thanks for the call. If you would, keep listening to the show because I think we've got a caller coming up that wants to comment on your situation. Money Talks is MPP Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's a chartered financial analyst and holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. So according to the U.S. Census Bureau, the number of new houses sold in November of 2022 was 640000 with a median sales price of $471,200. Our guest today is Adam Black, Senior Mortgage Loan Specialist from First Commercial Bank. Before we go on, I think uh, Roger from Florence is on the line. Roger, did you have a comment on our previous caller, TC, from Summit? Yes. First of all, I don't practice law anymore, but I have been a chancery court judge. That's a court of equity. Okay. I don't know that. And there there is a procedure for a partial owner, a a owner in common on on a deed with other people, 
if they won't cooperate and let them buy them out or they want too much or whatever. You can go to Chancery Court. Now, but the first thing I wanted to say was this guy needs an attorney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he needs mm-hmm. to get an attorney who practices land law. But there are ways to go about this. I don't know that they would be successful. The first thing to do is probably to try to get the other individuals other than his wife who are on that deed and hurry up because one of them will die and then you got a whole bunch more people to deal with. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but go to those people, make them an offer, borrow some money, make some, make them an offer, reasonable offer, maybe very little because you've been paying. But don't say you don't get anything. Uh, mm-hmm. Give them something to get them to give you a quick claim deed, and any lawyer can prepare one, a quick claim deed to that described property. And if you only get one of them to do it, do that. And if you've got a holdout, whoever that holdout is, tell them that if they will not give you a quick claim deed for 200 bucks or whatever you decide, then you will take them to court and you go to chancery court with that good lawyer. And you petition the court to, to uh, because you've paid all those years, to partition that property. And I don't even know if you can partition a lot. <laughs> uh, they're not going to give the guy the holdout uh, the front yard or something. <laughs> but there are ways for, for a chancery court judge to inequity. That's fairness. That's uh, old-fashioned concept. The reason they're called chancellors is in England they used to have chancellors who decided these questions for the king, and then the king said, yep, do it, or don't do it. So chancery court with a, with a lawyer who's a land lawyer, and there are several options. Uh, another one is let the taxes go. Let there be a tax sale. Go to the tax sale. Outbid the highest bidder. And you get the property. It take a couple of years to actually get the title. But mm. so there, there are two methods that I know of. Maybe other methods. And one more time, I'm not in the practice of law today. So get mm-hmm. you a good land lawyer and ask these questions. Okay, that's that's all I have. Really. I've got one question on that. So one thing he noted is that he's been putting money into this house. Would the assuming that he has very good records, and that's going to be the trick for a lot of folks, how good are your records about improving your house? Assuming he has very good records, uh, how uh, how much do they take that into account, or do they take that into account at all when saying, oh, who really deserves what in this house? Or can they take that into account, the, that judge? Yeah. I, well, I would. I would have. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> basically worth. But there may be a, now see, a land lawyer might say, no, according to the case of Jones versus Jones, 1939, uh, that doesn't work. <laughs> mm, interesting. But, but mer- merely the threat of taking these, somebody to court over it and filing that petition, if they don't answer, then you get to ask the court for what to do. Mm-hmm. So it may just be a bluff on the part of the person. Now, if I were advising that person, that holdout, I'd say, shoot, no, man, you you got this guy by the short hairs. Excuse me for that, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, and, and so I would hold out and get some money. Mm. Uh, this this gentleman is stuck. Uh, and, truly. And that, that's, that's the reason people should go to lawyers early and uh, 
I don't know what to say. I'm not criticizing them. A lot of people end up this way. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, especially with estate questions like that, it's surprising how often you come across them where you see multiple owners of a property because of an estate situation or even the estate of somebody who died 40 years ago still listed as the owner of a property. And you know very well that you know, some of those heirs have died and passed their share on and that's just getting more and more complicated for folks. Uh, one of the things Adam and I were talking about is the possibility that he he could, of course, find who owns the taxes, who he's paying, because it sounds like he's paying taxes two year, from two years ago, so probably paying that to a party who already bought those taxes, um, and trying to work out a deal with him. Adam, do you know a little bit more about the process of buying the tax liens? It, how do they become the owner of that, that person who bought that tax lien? Yeah, I'm not real familiar with it, but I know there are certain – there are some individuals Maybe we should have kept our that, judge on here. Yeah, we, yeah that do that. But um, from what I understand, it's three years. If you you know, you know go to the tax sale every year, once you've bought those taxes for three years, it, be, it becomes yours. There's, hmm. there's nothing legally beyond that that they can do. Interesting. Roger, thank you so much for the call. Great call. And one of our, our favorite listeners, Roger from Florence, we like to hear from him on a number of our shows. Uh, let's uh, stay on the phone lines off to Natchez for our next caller, and it's Francis. It's your turn, Francis. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, you you all been hitting on a question that I've been wondering about forever uh, pertaining to heirs' property. Say you've got a million heirs, and one person is paying property taxes. Well, I'm just... No, no, I I love an extreme example. It really, it really helps us clarify the point here. Yeah, and you know, one person is paying the property taxes forever. I say, I know for a fact for about twenty years, and the other heirs they can do whatever they want on this property. Mm -hmm. But you know, uh, how come the person that has been paying these taxes for that long of a period of time can't own the property? Uh, because other people already own it. I can I can go to the county tax collector and just write a big old check, and I can pay whoever's taxes I want to, and that person will not have to pay their own taxes because it's already been paid for. It does not mean I own their property in, in any way, shape, or form. Um, that's just that's just that. I mean, you can you can walk into the grocery store now and. Pay for somebody else's cart of food. Doesn't make it yours. Um, you can go pick out the exact same things and pay for it yourself, and th- those are yours. But you can't just take something that's somebody else's, even if you just throw money at them. Um, I can. Someone can have their car for sale. I can just throw money at them. But that doesn't make the car mine. There's still a transaction that needs to take place. There's still a transfer of title that needs to take place. There's still they are still the owner of that of that car or of that property. So, yeah, it's not. I mean, I know our our caller a moment ago, Roger, was talking about the courts being uh, courts of fairness as part of the idea. But fairness doesn't just show up in the world. That's why we had to have the court do it. That's, no, that would be a tough situation. Is. Again, a, a similar, very tough situation when you have uh, up to uh, a million uh, folks who own a property. And uh, who knows if they're even still alive right now. Yeah. But what way could this land be gotten out from under the air situation? 
Yeah. So like our previous caller, Roger, said is that one owner, any owner, the first thing to do is just just go to everybody else and say, hey, can I buy this property? It's worth X dollars. Everybody is a one millionth owner. So you will get one millionth of how many dollars that is. Say it's a million dollar property. I'm going to give everyone a dollar and that's your fair amount. Uh, you may have to offer them a little more because people often will feel, especially, oh, this is, I've owned this forever. Oh, this was my mother's. They feel a little bit more attached to it. Maybe, maybe you have to offer them a little more money. But the first step is just, it's just ask them to buy it. And like he said, a quick claim deed, getting them to do a quick claim deed and saying, okay, you're now the owner. So you're owning more and more of that uh, property, essentially. And then if there are any holdouts, like he said, you take them to court. Unfort- I mean, very unfortunately, because a lot of times you are talking about your family members, maybe mm-hmm. some distant family members. Uh, but it, that can be a very tough situation, a very tough thing to do. But he said even the threat of taking some people to court can shake it out for you sometimes. But uh, the judge may divide physically the property, maybe I don't know if it's possible to force them to sell to you. I don't know what all the outcomes of that are. But again, he said, talk with a land lawyer. Uh, And if that is your situation, again, it sounds like uh, speaking with a lawyer who specializes in in uh, land and uh, uh, land transactions and probably land uh, divisions would probably be very uh, helpful to start. Question here, though, you know, say that one person that had been paying the property taxes decided to stop mm-hmm. and uh is there a way that is there a way that someone else on the outside can come in i heard you all mention mm-hmm. about going you know right. uh bidding you know yes I guess it. yes so again any literally i mean i i could i could i could stroll down to natchez today i would probably drive it's a long way uh, i could drive down to natchez today and locate this property it's the only one with a million owners i guarantee you that and i could just say hey what's the property with a million owners how much is the taxes let me pay that that does not confer any ownership to me so if i'm not already one of those owners i have really no incentive to do that if i'm an outside party then the way to access and pay and gain some ownership, uh, gain some say in that property is, uh, Adam uh, noted, buying the tax lien. So if they if they don't pay it this year, uh, and, and you know taxes for last year were they're due now the, yeah, the past couple of weeks. Yeah. So yeah, so th- those sort of records will be coming coming out soon, so people kind of know what's what. Um, but you can buy it. Uh, again, the process is that's auctioned off by the courthouse. So I'm, I'm not, you know, again, it's not just walking in there and, and writing a check for them because, again, that's just that's just paying their past bill. But buying that in the proper manner, buying that uh, auctioned off tax lien, that is how an outside party could access the taxes. However, there's there's a million folks uh, on this property who could <clears throat> who could be paying the taxes. They're all liable for the taxes. Um, it's all their property. All right, Francis, thanks for your call. Interesting conversation here on Money Talks this morning. We're glad you found our show Money Talks. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Here's a program reminder, Tuesdays at 10. Listen live to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. So according to the website redfin.com, in November of 2022, 1,107 homes were sold in Mississippi, the median sales price at $244,000. So that's interesting. That's almost half of the median sales price that we said earlier in the show about uh, uh, nationwide. So uh, 
good place to buy houses here in Mississippi. So for our listeners outside of the state, if you're looking to move to a lower cost of living place, we, uh, we've got one for you. That's, That's right. right. Uh, so, Adam, no matter what the interest rate is, you have to find a house to buy a house. Uh, one type of house that someone could consider is uh, one that's owned by the f- a federal agency. Uh, where do these homes come from and, and how do you buy them? Yeah, so probably what you're referring to is a lot of people call HUD houses, um, like HUD.gov. Those are, in most cases, those are foreclosures that they've taken back and, um, you know, they're listing uh, through their various websites uh, for sale. Some of them will... Um, some of those agencies will reach out to local realtors and have them list them, but most of them are on their websites. Um, you know, the thing about buying a foreclosure is just do your due diligence. You just don't know what you're getting into. I've heard some horror stories through the years. So, yeah, I mean, it, there would seem there's obviously a reason why it was foreclosed on in the first mm-hmm. place. And I and I years ago when I was looking to buy a house, I did that. And and you're right, you you got to do your your homework for sure because. They're probably not going to be in maybe as good a shape as, as a house uh, from, you know, the other houses that you might be looking for. Exactly. Uh, what is HomePath by Fannie Mae? HomePath uh, is the same thing. HomePath is, is a foreclosure um, website through Fannie Mae. There used to be a HomePath loan, but it's no longer uh, – it was a low down payment, low cost alternative to buying a foreclosure home uh, from Fannie Mae. But uh, it's no longer in uh, in effect, so – and so th- that re- <clears throat> reminds me, that while there are a handful of those programs to uh, give folks, you know, t- to actually allow folks to buy the homes, to make the homes available, there's also a lot of different mortgages that are available to people. And so, Absolutely. and that <clears throat> some may be available to veterans or some may be the certain, a certain type of home or a certain location of a home. You can just give a brief overview of what, how different can some of these mortgage programs be? It runs the gamut, Roger. Uh, I mean, take, for example, a VA home. You know, only a veteran's going to qualify for it or their, or their spouse. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's 100% financing, mm-hmm. you know, no money down. Interest rate's usually really low. It offers a lot of benefit to the people that really deserve it, in my opinion. Um, then you've got um, another 100% program is the USDA program. That's a, It's geographically restricted, but you'd be surprised at the areas around us that qualify for mm-hmm. it. Um, it's a little bit tighter on the underwriting guidelines as far as debt-to-income ratios and, and income ratios overall. Um, and then it just goes from there. Um, FHA's 3.5% down payment, conventional 3% for first-time home buyer. Going back to the um, going back to the foreclosures, FHA foreclosures, um, they do a $100 down program. Hmm. You know, it's, it's a pretty unique program. They're harder to find. And, and, again, a lot of times they need a good bit of work, you know, so you need to do your due diligence on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's there are just numerous loan programs out there. So this could be if you are looking for a home and you're thinking, oh, gosh, I don't have 20% for a down payment, which is what everyone says you have to have. There's a lot of different ways you may not need that 20%, um, even if you're even if you're getting a, a very good uh, mortgage. Yeah, outside, I mean, absolutely. Outside of just the normal down payment requirements, you also have grant programs through different agencies, you know, state and federal agencies that help with down payment for first-time home buyers. Um, there are a lot of ways for you to stop renting and making someone else wealthy. What a compelling argument, Adam. You just have to. I mean, I mean, and that's what it comes down to is when everybody says, you know, I don't want to pay these high high interest rates. Well, Mm -hmm. you're paying 100 percent interest rate if you're renting. 
That's mm-hmm. just the, that's just the bottom line. So uh, yeah, there there are all kinds of ways. There are creative ways and creative strategies to help someone get into a home if they really want to. Uh, do we know how the Department of Agriculture got involved in, in home buying? I don't. That's interesting. You would farmers ask have to live somewhere well, too, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it goes back to some 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 old programs. You know that were some type of subsidy programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, we got about a minute left, so I'd like to throw out one uh, final question, and uh, Adam and, and Ryder could uh, briefly comment on this. Uh, thoughts on the uh, home buying market uh, in 2023? We mentioned lower interest rates. Do you think it might be a, a, a robust market? I do. Um, you know, I'm always speaking local when I'm saying this. You know, it's not going to compare to an LA or a Dallas or something like that. But we are still very low on inventory. Um, hmm. Rates are going back down. Uh, we have a lot of industry here that's moving people here. So I think 2023 is going to surprise some people. Um, all of our builders that we bank personally at the bank, are they're not pulling back much. Now, they're, they're pulling back on some price ranges, you know, the upper end, which is smart. But, uh, you know, first-time home buyer houses, uh, sec- what I would call a second home, that 350 up to all the way up to 450 or so, is still selling really well um, in the wow. You know, it's getting now. We are getting back to some of that times of uh, it's 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 not flying off the market the first day it's listed. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe sitting there twenty five yeah. thirty days, but that's the norm. More normal, yeah, more normal. Uh, go ahead. Uh, and I, I was just kind of like I mentioned at the top of the show uh, how the rental market, especially folks who have bought short term rentals, popular vacation areas, how that might be impacted by a little less if there is a little less demand or those rents come down if that means more units come on the market. And Adam, remind us of uh, where folks can find your social media videos. Yes, uh, any social media channel you can search, Adam Black Mortgage. It'll take you right to me. All right, that's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our podcast producer is Jermaine Flood. The call screener today was Charles Arnold. So for Ryder Taff and our guest Adam Black, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.